Hi, I'm Yadu Gopalan, CEO of Esper and author of DevOps for Devices. I'm Sudhir Reddy, head of engineering at Esper, as well as the host of this show, There's a Device for That. It's a pleasure talking to you today, Yadu. You know that you and I have been talking about DevOps for devices for a while now, and I know that you have been in this world for pretty much all your career, and it's my privilege to be talking to you today, and this is such a pleasure. So Yadu, just for background for the listener, tell me about how you got into technology. What was your first experience with technology? How did you come into the devices world? So I've been working with devices, I think, from the first job I had in Microsoft, but I've been working with technology since middle school uh, when I got into projects. And um, eventually, by high school, I was messing around with Minix, trying to build the operating system and trying to get my hands on how these things worked. And that just took me on to kind of after college and doing my master's, got a job at Microsoft when they were trying to build their first embedded operating system. That's fascinating. I know I'm going to date both you and myself in this, but my my first six was assembly programming those x86 uh, Windows operating systems, actually below the operating system at the time. How did you gravitate towards devices and doing things for devices? I'm a doubly from background and training, but I've been doing programming. And so it was kind of automatic that you're like building devices and building firmware and building, uh, moving on to like operating systems, making these gadgets and things that you're building work. And that experience is what landed me the position of helping with the next operating system. They already had Windows NT. They had Windows 95, like two different kernels operating systems. And they're working on this third one, which would eventually become Windows CE. At that time, it was codenamed Pegasus. It was going to be for a really small factor. And back then, it was really small. You're talking about 16 to 32 megabytes of RAM and not much more storage. Those are the type of devices the first operating system we were building was meant for. Yeah, and fascinating. You went from that to I know that you worked on the Fire TV stick at Amazon. You've had many experiences with these things. Yeah, yeah. So at Microsoft, we did like... Windows Mobile, Windows Phone, Windows Automotive, all kinds of different things that came out of that operating system. But then when I moved to Amazon, worked on Fire TV, the Fire OS, which is kind of the basis for their set of devices that they're building out. And then eventually spent some time at Amazon Go, like all the devices in the store, that device infrastructure, and even some of the like cloud connectivity. How do we get the data from this store, which has thousands of devices to the cloud? and all the, some of the processing that happens. So uh, devices, but also how do they work in the overall ecosystem? And FireOS, for example, really we perfected how OTA and updates and all that things would work on a very regular basis. And for like uh, devices like Alexa, it just needs to happen automatically behind the scenes. And for the listener, OTA here is over the air updates of software? Exactly. Awesome. You've worked on many, many, many devices, Yadu. What is your current most favorite device? What device do you like the best? Oh, I, we're coming to the generation where device is ubiquitous. 
um, all over the place and you and things that you wouldn't think are a device are a device. Um, for example, my, my favorite thing I like to talk about these days is actually the Tesla car. A lot of people talk about the electronics, I mean, the electrical aspects of it. It's an electric car, but they've done something even more incredible is the software that runs the car. Everything on it is updatable. Uh, the software is what's getting improved. They add features, they have add capabilities, they do bug fixes all through the software. That's, that's really kind of where big things that you're talking about. And if they have the hardware to support it, they can use software to drive it. And that's what you're trying to think about. Like software is eating the world is kind of the saying, and it is. And everything you're looking at these days, any device, there's some software. Your microwave has firmware, and the firmware these days is running it. Your refrigerator has firmware. Your washing machine digital has firmware that's running it. It's no longer just electronics. It's electronics and mechanical thing, but it's run by software. And that's kind of the change that's happening in the world. And we'll see that continue to happen as we move forward. That is, the world is being taken over by software that is running on everything that we think of. And to make your point even more explicit, we were talking on this podcast to another uh, guest who actually was talking about how airplanes are now updating their software while in flight. Obviously, this is a lot in, in defense and in research there, but they're able to, as a plane is flying, modify the software on it. And spacecraft is another example of how they're doing it. Exactly. One of the things they did, I mean, you've got your Mars probes and all that stuff. Obviously, it takes a long time to get the software update because of the delays, but they do software updates. And when they have some problem, even the Hubble telescope, for example, they had some mechanical problems. They did some software updates to fix things, to adjust for some of the problems that they were seeing once they got launched. And that's the power of software running on these type of systems. And the ability to update them is so critical. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm going to switch a little bit, and I really want to get to talking about the book that you just wrote and published. And I had the pleasure of reading the book before it was released, and I had the pleasure of giving you some feedback on the book and things hopefully incorporated some of that. Absolutely. But it is a fascinating read, and it is a, such a wonderful book. As I was reading through it, I literally could not put it down till I finished it. Tell me about how, why you decided you wanted to write a book. Among all your accomplishments, you wanted to be an author as well. Over my career, when we've talked about, a little bit about this, it's like really seeing the impact that DevOps had in my career and also in the products that I worked on. And the key things is the companies that I worked on had amazing technical teams and they kind of had DevOps start becoming part of their culture, and especially like Amazon, their cloud systems are run by DevOps. And there's some statistics like every 15 seconds, 60 seconds, some code gets deployed to the cloud. And that's just amazing. And you want your devices also to have the capability. You don't have to do it, but you want that ability to be able to deploy at will, make changes, improve your product, get customer feedback, adjust and redeploy, etc. You want that capability to do that. And it's not just mechanism of getting the software to the device. It's the whole flow of how you do it and how you think about it. And having infrastructure to support that flow is really about DevOps. DevOps is not like this magical thing. It's like the ability to make incremental changes in an easy, automated way to your systems. And for when we're talking about software, 
and devices, you're talking about ability to change the code and the things that are running on the devices. For me, why I wanted to start the company is Esper is all about making that infrastructure easily available to people who don't want to take that hit uh, of resource hit of trying to build everything from scratch. And one of the things is like cloud DevOps has come a long way. Everybody's practicing it. Everybody's deploying it. But devices are still way behind. They're, they're like still in the land where everybody's afraid of updating their devices. A security patch comes up. It then is a big decision to be made by everyone involved whether to take that update or not. That's just scary. It's like, why wouldn't you figure out have a mechanism? And many customers and many listening are, that's where they are. They are. And for Esper, that, that's, um, uh, that's the amazing thing is making that ability that once you have an update, you have the confidence to be able to push that update to devices. And without DevOps you and a mechanism and infrastructure, you just don't have that confidence. And the, what this book is about is really to kind of talk about what is this? What is this DevOps for devices? Why do you need it? Why is it important? And I wanted to make it so that uh, everybody can kind of understand this principles that are in DevOps for devices. It's a little bit different from uh, how how it is for cloud. And we talk. And this book kind of outlines the aspects of DevOps that you have for devices. That's great. And so. To summarize, not only is it bringing all of your experience throughout your career into this book, but it is also seeing what ha happens at Esper, where we have hundreds of thousands of devices under our management right now, and seeing the patterns that emerge out of that, how customers are using that. And for the reader of the book, what should they expect to get out of reading this? This book is for anyone with interest in DevOps and devices, but it's really geared towards senior decision makers who have a device or product that is delivering a customer experience. And what they can get out of this is kind of understanding what the DevOps approach for devices is and what the complexities that are involved in large-scale dedicated device fleets. We also give a lot of insights into, like from our work at Esper, but also real-world examples. And you can see how these frameworks solve some of the toughest fleet management challenges that are out there. That's really useful. Let me just talk about DevOps for a minute here. What was your experience with DevOps in Microsoft and Amazon? Give us a little bit of background on that. So at Microsoft, it was really about how do we push, at that point in time, OS updates to Windows Mobile, Windows Phones, Windows Automotive, and trying to create that infrastructure from scratch that is reliable. And the, we were kind of leading how, how that was done, over-the-air updates to um, mobile devices and to even automotive. So we had to kind of come up with everything, even in some of the nom nomenclature. And we're, we're talking about even before iPhones and Android existed, we were building this out. But then when I moved to Amazon, a lot of the Fire OS we duplicated, very, very similar concept, et cetera. But at Amazon Go, one of the mandates we had was not just you had OS updates, et cetera, but like developers could write code all day long. And then you need to be able to push updates overnight and have the store open with new software. And really simple. I mean, we're not talking about like in the cloud, uh, lots of different updates from different teams. They wanted all the changes that were ready to go to the store, have the mechanism and the infrastructure capable of doing this. That's important, especially in the early part of 
when you're building out a new product and new systems, you want to iterate as quickly as possible. You want to be able to make changes to see how it works on every day. You, like you've got some new algorithms, you wanted to push it out, you want to try it and see what happens. And even a single store was treated as a fleet because you've got thousands of devices that are hanging on the ceilings. And if you and you had to make this work really well because you don't want to go up and get on a ladder and pull all these devices down and do this manual updates. And then you have embedded systems inside the shelves for all the weight sensing, et cetera. So there's a lot of complexity in trying to update them if you don't have the infrastructure to do a regular, um, you know, in a thoughtful, methodical manner. Yeah, and then how did you realize that you could take that and this is the inventor side of things or this is the innovation side of things. How did you realize you could take that and then package it into something that any enterprise that has a fleet of devices can actually use? Exactly. So different, different infrastructures across these companies and different, different teams. And each one was a bespoke system that you built, particularly geared towards their solution. Even the Amazon Go wouldn't work for anybody else. It was really meant for Amazon Go. It was, it was there. It was finely tuned and it would just work just enough for all this to happen. But, and I got to thinking, it's like, I'm doing this over and over again. We are building the same type of infrastructure over again in different ways. Wouldn't it be great to be able to make something that's more turnkey, has the ability for people to adapt to their solution? Because one of the things about devices is everybody's fleets are unique. You need to be able to build a system that's flexible enough that can be adapted for lots of different scenarios. And I'll give you examples. I mean, you might have like a system, let's say you're a hospital system. You might actually have really a structured way of when you can update different hospitals, what time, what software goes on there. So you might be creating snowflakes. You might be creating, so you, but it's up to you. It's how you do it. If you're a restaurant chain, you've got franchises, et cetera, have different requirements, et cetera. So you, every customer that would be using this product would have different unique cases on how they do it. And sometimes you talk about point of sale. Sometimes you're talking about connected fitness. Sometimes you're talking about automotive. They also have their different challenges and different capabilities. So you want to have a flexible enough system. And that's really what Esper is about. Esper is about building a turnkey solution that people can build their product around and have an infrastructure that supports that product. Why now? Why is DevOps so important now? What trends are you seeing that makes it so important? The first one is now more than ever, every device is cloud connected. Uh, that's really key. We've kind of transitioned to the point where you can't imagine um, isolated device anymore, or even a device that's like on an internal network. Things are running, whether it's the smallest of IoT to your point of sale, to your connected fitness, to your car, they're all cloud connected and that's that's key. So you need to have something for you to build this DevOps infrastructure. The other one is the customer expectation. Everybody wants their features, their bugs to be addressed as quickly as possible. Customers are not patient anymore. They have been trained. Your cloud SaaS software, your HR software, CRM software, even Amazon.com, all these things are um, ad, you know, issues are addressed pretty quickly. They evolve continuously. And so that expectation and plus phones, your iOS continues to evolve. You've got new versions coming out every year. You've got new bug fixes coming out every year. So the expectations of customers have changed. So 
both of those put together says that any device that you're building needs to have DevOps and the ability to address this customer expectation rapidly and quickly and with confidence, with reliability. And so that's why we feel like some infrastructure, like what we are building is critical. You just reminded me of a couple of things, and not to mention, by the way, to what you just said, is the ability to fix problems on the fly when things happen. You just reminded me at home, my kitchen has all the devices in my kitchen are connected to the cloud. They can report back to the cloud. And in one instance, when I had an issue with the device, they could actually log into my device and troubleshoot it and figure out what was wrong and help me with my permission, of course, but they could come into my systems. That is where the world is evolving to, and that is why I am so fascinated with where the device world is going. So you're seeing all this in the industry. Tell me about what you expect to see in the next few years. If you look out for the next five or 10 years, what do you think the world is going to become in the device world? Key thing is like, this would be expected. I mean, the technology and software is driving innovation in every industry. I'm seeing traditional hundred-year-old, like old-school companies wanting to embrace technology. They're like adding software, customer transaction. When you get there, loyalty programs on the device, payments, whatever it is, anything they can imagine, they're trying to build and innovate to improve the customer experience. And in categories that you would never have thought of, that's really key, is some of the companies that we see come through like, what is this? What are they doing? It's always surprises me is like the types of devices people are building. And not having DevOps for these devices means that these products will become stale. Everything needs to move faster than they ever were. The speed in which you need to prove your value of your product is incredible. And you, and you have to have infrastructure in order to be able to improve your product and show the trajectory and show the improvement and capture your customers, etc. And with poor experience, you will lose customers. And that's really important. Like you, the other thing that everybody's also looking at subscription services. If you're going to have subscription services, you have to have the ability to improve your product. Otherwise, people are not going, why am I paying the subscription if you're not enhancing my experience? That's another trend that's going to continue. I'm sure there's a lot of pushback on types of subscriptions that people are trying. And people are trying, and some of those are going to stick and some of those are not going to stick. But the key thing is you, you're going to have to add value. If you don't add value to your subscription system for that is based on some hardware and software solution, you're going to lose your customers and they're going to churn. Without a DevOps infrastructure, you are going to have to build something. It is, it's not a matter of fact, uh, like whether you use some solution like Esper, you have to use some, there's absolutely some type of device management or software deployment in, um, infrastructure you're going to have to need. and it really comes down to is like, do you want to use a proven solution like Esper or versus something that you're going to have to put resource into? That's taking away from your core product. And in these days, every resource is super valuable and how you utilize and how do you deploy that, those resources. And so having an infrastructure that does that work for you is, we feel is going to be critical. I want to get to an important point you just made, but before that, I also want to emphasize that a lot of times all the improvements that you're pushing to your customers and the innovation you're getting your customers to experience, etc., they want to get all of those without noticing that the device has changed or that you have actually done an update overnight or at any given moment. And that is actually reality with a solution such as Esper. Which brings me to my question, 
What makes Esper so special as you compare, there are many solutions out there that in the category of mobile device management solutions. What makes Esper special and what makes it stand out from these solutions? All these other products like mobile device management, their DNA is really from the BY, bring your own device kind of that started where IT departments started saying you got, need to have device management on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop in order to protect the IT from these things, devices, their IT infrastructure. That's, that's where, I mean, if you think about it, IT says, I need to protect my IT infrastructure, my software systems from in case these devices were hacked. There was malware on these devices. That's kind of the good thing. That's why they start off. They don't trust the devices. What we're saying is these devices are the first classes. They are the key part of your product, whether it's an internal product or an external product to consumers or a B2P product or a B2C product. They are the essence of your revenue and what you're trying to build. A Tesla car software, Tesla is the product. It is critical that you have to. And in order to take this product that's super critical and valuable, we're saying you need a first class system that puts it on the same stage as your cloud systems and your cloud infrastructure with the ability to be able to deploy software, monitor the systems, diagnose and debug like your you did, one of your customers did for you, being able to do that in a secure and authenticated way. Secure it, make sure nothing gets on this system without the knowledge of your engineering team or your operations team. And so you need a kind of comprehensive solution that kind of allows your, both your engineering team and your operational team to kind of be able to work together and to be able to build the best product that you can continue to improve the product that you have. Yeah, and you touched upon something here uh, about security. And you have a chapter in your book as well on DevSecOps. For the listener, I want to say that Yadu and I have had so many hours and hours and hours of brainstorming and talking about this particular topic and how we can innovate here and how we can bring a lot of security to your devices. Tell us a little bit about that chapter because that is very dear to my heart. DevSecOps is really, it's kind of that next level of how you take DevOps and then also incorporate security principles on top of that. And that's also a key aspect. And that's one of the things that there are many capabilities that Esper already enables and we'll continue to evolve this. But this is one of these aspects that we're really looking at enhancing. But it starts with having a system that is a single point of truth on what's happening on the device. And that's what Esper does. And so it starts with that. Then you can start building out an onion ring of things um, that you want to enable to make sure your security and your compliance are into adherence to what you want. Whether you're a, a regulated industry that you must have some type of compliance and this thing, or whether you like just uh, want to have a highly secure system. And it can be anything from audit logs to what's happening, who's doing things to your device fleet and having an accountability to kind of even more sophisticated way of what's happening and what the software systems are built. There's a lot of aspects and we've only started touching on what is it to be a DevSecOps or um, devices. And um, this is one of those places where stay tuned, Esper will continue to innovate. We will. And the notion here is not only can you roll software to your devices in a secure manner, but you know at any given point that your entire fleet of devices, whether that's 100 devices or 100,000 devices, 
are in compliance with your security standards and then being able to bring those to an audit and confidently say, here is the state of my devices. That is the world we're evolving to and that's where we're going. No, exactly. I think that's that's key thing. I mean, uh, we have this concept of drift management and this drift management is not just an operational thing. It's also a security thing. So let's then talk about what are your customers telling you about the software, about Esper, and as they use it, what are some of the highlights in the product? First and foremost, to get you started, you we want, whether it's one device, 1,000 devices, 100,000 devices, we want an experience that allows you to scale. Amazing UI that allows you to have intuitive notion of your fleet is doing, regardless of scale. APIs and automation, command line tooling, if you want to do scripting, also as well as integrations that with your rest of the systems that you have. And what that means is our customer, as they grow and as they build out their systems, they can also continue to evolve in the DevOps capabilities and DevOps maturity as a, a device fleet grow. And, that, and they love that. They love the ability to come in very early and continue to improve. We have customers that already have 50,000 devices. They love the ability to switch over and be very, there is, I mean, that transition, make that transition as smooth as possible uh, and have Esper manage them right out of the box, large scale fleets. And that's the key is like, we, uh, we want to be able to provide a solution that works for everyone. Yeah, and not to mention the manual to automated to then predictive ways of doing things with their fleets, being able to get all the data that you need about your fleet to be able to do those things. All right, one final formal question for you then, Yadu. I'm an interested user. I don't know anything about DevOps for devices, but I do have a fleet of devices. Where would I go? What do you think I should be looking at? What are the things I should be considering as I go through this journey? First of all, go to Esper, sign up, and that gets you into looking at DevOps. And whether you're small or large, even if you have like four or five devices and you're not ready to go to production, you can start using DevOps principles very early on. Whether it's in a lab or even five or six devices that are sitting on a different desk, you can start deploying using Esper. You can start doing remote management. You can start doing debugging. You can start monitoring. You can start putting those principles, make your productivity that much better. And then when you're ready to go actually into production, you just start implementing and incorporating this fun functionality towards true DevOps, where you have the, your rest of your engineering team and your operations team managing devices, and it's already part of your DNA. That's awesome. I know that I need to go sign up for Esper, and I know that I can get my fleet into a test and in production eventually. But I also am interested in reading your book. Where would I go to get the book? Yeah, the book is one of the great places to learn about, as we talked about, what DevOps for devices actually means. And you can get that on Amazon.com. You can go and order your copy of DevOps for devices and get into uh, what this is really about. And I personally have a signed copy of the book from Yadu. You're welcome. <laughs> there you have it, folks. A very, very special episode of There's a Device for That. And I've had the pleasure of talking to my CEO, Yadu Gopalan of Esper, and we have so many conversations about what we can bring to devices, how we can help large fleets of devices as well as small ones. Thank you for listening to There's a Device for That, brought to you by Esper. 
Esper is the industry's first and leading DevOps platform for device fleets. To learn more about us, you can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at EsperDev, that's at E-S-P-E-R-D-E-V, or you can go to esper.io. See you on the next episode of There's a Device for That.